And as our kids are making their way uh, to their classes, uh, we want to say welcome to you. Thank you so much for being here today. My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor, and it is my joy and delight uh, to be with you this morning and to open up God's Word as we get to dive into what God has for us. And this is what I want to say before we uh, jump in today, and I want to say this, is God wants to speak to you today. I don't know if you knew that when you woke up. I don't know if you knew that when you came here. I don't know if that's something that registered uh, in your brain this morning, but I want to say this. God wants to speak to you today, that there's going to be something that happens this morning, whether it be through the, through the reading of God's word, whether it's through the, the, the testimonies of people who are going to go public with their faith in baptism this morning. Um, it's going to be a great day, but know this. Have a sense of anticipation because God wants to speak to you today. And we're going to open up his word, and we're going to find out exactly what he has to say to all of us. Um, we are in a sermon series called Matthew. Uh, we're going through the gospel of Matthew. Uh, it, is, it is the biography of Jesus' life. It's one of four found in the Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going through Matthew, and, and this is a long journey for us. It's actually going to take us a number of years, literally, that we're going to take. It's going to take about two years uh, plus to go through the book of Matthew. We're going to have some breaks in there as well. We took a break around Christmas. We studied some other things, and so there'll be some breaks intermittent through that, but it is good for us to take the time and slow down and walk through the gospel of Matthew as we get to see Jesus's life for us. And so in chapters one through four in Matthew, we see that Jesus is unique in human history, that there's never been anybody before him nor since. And then in chapters five through seven, we saw how Jesus gave his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about the kingdom of heaven and what the kingdom of heaven is like and the value system of the kingdom and the laws and the regulations and, and all the beautiful things that make up the kingdom of heaven. And if we're going to be invited into the kingdom, that we need to know what the kingdom is like. And so five through seven is this beautiful description about the kingdom of heaven. And then in chapters 8 and 9, where we find ourselves um, today, we see that, that Jesus not only preached about the kingdom of heaven, but actually brought it to us, that through miraculous works, shows that he's unlike anyone else, that he's God in the flesh, and that he takes those opportunities on the tail ends of his miracles to be preaching and teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we're going to see today, and we're going to see that the kingdom of heaven is invitational. And what I love about this is, is, is invitation is such a powerful thing. Invitation is such a powerful thing. If we think about it, like, invitation, uh, the things that you need for an inv invite is, one, you need a host, right? You need a person. And that person wants the pleasure of your company. They want you to be with them. And they want you to be with them for something that is usually joyous, a, a celebration. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a birthday party. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. But, but, or it's a period of time or an adventure. Like, I invite you into this. But the reality is someone wants the pleasure of your company to do something and to be with you for an extended period of time. And the God of the universe wants the pleasure of our company. Isn't that amazing? That the, the God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth really wants to spend time with you and really wants to spend time with me. And, and that's just, that's an amazing truth about 
invitations. But sometimes invites, sometimes invites, you, you go in with a set of expectations, right? You have this, you have this idea that, that, that maybe um, this invite is, is maybe more than what you thought it was going to be, right? Um, so I remember, I remember being invited uh, on my honeymoon to go look at uh, the petrified tree in Yellowstone National Park. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm gonna, there's signs of being invited in. And I, we walked the path and we got there and it was a tree stump that's surrounded by a fence. And I'm like, okay, but where's the tree? And they're like, well, this is it. And I was like, cool. Wasn't quite what I was expecting, expecting maybe something a little bit more, maybe a little more petrified-y. Um, I don't know what I was exactly expecting, but I wasn't expecting a tree stump surrounded by a fence. Um, the rest of the park was really cool, but it wasn't what I was expected. Maybe you've been invited to something and you think it's going to be lame, but it's better than what you thought, right? So a few, uh, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to my first escape room and uh, was pretty excited about that. Um, Got to go to an escape room. I'm not, I'm not big on, uh, I'm, I'm not a huge game person. Like, I get invited and people are like, oh, you should play a board game with us. I'm like, cool, I have a good time. But really, at the end of it, I'm like, I should do that again. And then I just don't think of it. Um, and so uh, I, I, I'm more about the journey than winning as well. So when I play board games, just, you know, I just like to mess with people more than I want to win. Um, so... Uh, that's just how I <laughs> find enjoyment. And so I'm going into, the, I'm going into this escape room going, okay, I'm just going to mess with people. But, but it ended up being really fun. I had a great time. Um, it was more than what I expected. We didn't get out in time. Um, so uh, so uh, there was that. But, but the experience itself was more than what I, ex- what I thought it was going to be. And sometimes an invite is something that you know it's going to be hard. But after you go through that difficult thing and when you get on the other side... You, you have a, a better appreciation and maybe you've grown a little bit. I remember a few years ago, I was invited to, to run uh, the 10K with a friend of mine at the Fargo Marathon. And uh, I get winded driving six miles. I didn't think I, I was going to run it, but, um, but I ended up doing it. And you know what I, what I found, actually? It was, it was good to be in better shape than what I was before then, but it was also just really good for my soul. And I wasn't expecting that. There's something that happens sometimes when we get invited to something, you're like, wow, it actually touched me and, and grabbed me in a deeper way than I thought was going to be. And today we're going to be talking about the invitation of Jesus. And here's really about the invitation of Jesus. And we're gonna, this is the big idea for today. The invitation of Jesus is water for our soul and a pebble in our shoe. Okay? We're going we're to talk about that. But the, the, the invitation of Jesus is water for our soul and a pebble in our shoe. Jesus is the host. It's his invitation. He's the most prominent, most powerful, most well-known person in the history of the world. He's also God in the flesh. And here he is inviting us to be with him. Yet, for some people, this invitation didn't meet their expectations. For some, it was so much better. It was the water for their soul. And for some others, it wasn't what they thought God should be like. And so for them, it bugged them. It got to be a pebble in their shoe, and it, it started to really irritate that, that God was not going to fit into their nice little box of what they've decided what God is going to be like. And often what happens when God acts, it's both water for our soul and a pebble in our shoe. Like it's soothing yet challenging, and that's what we're going to see uh, today. It, makes us, it comforts us and brings us discomfort at the same time. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 today, starting in verse 9. And we're going to see about Jesus' invitation. The first thing we're going to see is that Jesus' invitation is compelling. It's compelling. 
As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. This is a really powerful, amazing verse because this is the verse that was written by a guy named Matthew. This is a third person. He's writing in third person about his encounter with God. And where we find Matthew, the author of this book, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we find him working a tax booth. He's working a tax booth. Now, um, this isn't like H&R Block at the end of the cash register in Walmart with a curtain tax booth, okay? Some of you have seen that, right? Like, oh, you're just going to go in, you're going to get your taxes done. That's not how it worked in this day and age. Matthew is a tax collector. What that means is, is that Matthew is Jewish by ethnicity, but he's also taxing his fellow countrymen on behalf of the Roman Empire to perpetuate their own captivity, okay? So, so Matthew is actually collecting funds to fund the government that is oppressing his own people. And if you didn't pay, there was no like forgiveness, there's no grace periods, there's no payment plans, they just take other things of yours. They'd take your property. They'd take your animals. They'd take your livelihood. They would even at times take your children and sell them into slavery, if that's what it meant, if you couldn't pay your taxes. Matthew didn't have a lot of friends outside of the tax realm. Matthew, the, the tax collector, is such a vile profession in Jewish culture in Jesus' day that they had a special category. There were sinners and there were tax collectors who belonged in the seventh circle of hell. That's, that's how they believed how you viewed the tax collector of the day. And Jesus sees Matthew working a tax booth. And he says, follow me. Jesus met Matthew right where he was at. There was no pretense, there was no mistaking about Matthew's past or what he stood for or what he was about. He was working the tax booth. His reputation was not hidden. And Jesus, Jesus knows who Matthew is and he still invites him. He knew exactly what kind of man Matthew was. And he still says, I want the pleasure of your company. Matthew didn't clean himself up beforehand. He didn't, he didn't make any efforts. Here it was. Jesus was passing by. He looks at him. He says, follow me. And here's the amazing thing that happens for all of us when we have an encounter with God. Is that, is that Jesus didn't see the tax collector. Jesus saw Matthew. So often we want to define ourselves by what we've done or what we've accomplished or our mistakes that we've made or the sins that we've done or the, you know, whatever it is. We get to this place where we just go, you know what, this is just me. And yet Matthew, maybe for the first time ever, was seen by someone. Not just his position, not what it represented, not all of his history, but Matthew was seen. And that's what we all want. We want to be known. We all want, at some point, at some deep level, we want people to know us. 
but we get scared and we hide ourselves and we do these things and we put other things in, in our place and go, yeah, but this is me, this is me, this is me, because if you knew the real me, you'd walk away. And Jesus sees Matthew. Jesus sees us, Jesus knows us, and yet Jesus desires our company. That is a compelling invitation. Yeah, I know all about you. And you still want to be with me? Very much. Very much. His invitation is compelling because it touches at the very deep core of who we are to be known and to be loved. And Jesus' invitation is compelling. It's also scandalous. Verses 10 and 11. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, the Pharisees are religious elite of the day, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, this is not, honestly, if, if it was me, this is not what I'd be expecting. He sees Matthew, the tax collector, says, follow me, and Matthew follows him. And then what I'm expecting is boot camp, right? This is what I'm expecting. Follow me. I'm going to crush you. I'm going to crush you, right? And make him feel like dirt and make him feel like nothing so that then he can build him up into something else. And he's like, I'm going to break you, I'm going to yell at you, I'm going to make you cry, I'm going to do all these things. That's what I'm expecting, right? The, to follow Jesus is, like, we got to have like some militant, like boot camp type stuff. But we don't see that here. What is so scandalous about this is that Jesus sits down and has dinner with them. Like an act of friendship, he goes to a dinner party, follow me. And Matthew's like, I'd like to throw a party, I'd like to invite my friends. Jesus, do you want to come? Very much. And so Jesus and his disciples go to Matthew's house, which this is not the first time that some of the disciples have found themselves in very uncomfortable waters, right? They were up casting out demons up in the land of the Gadarenes up way north early in the few chapters before this, and, and uh, now we get to see that they're at this party. They're at this dinner party, and it's a bunch of tax collectors, <laughs> And then there's other sinners, your garden variety sinners that come with, you know, the sexually immoral, the thieves, the addicts, right? They just keep coming and they keep coming. It says many recline, many tax collectors. The word many there, that's the Greek word poly, like poly, like a whole lot, a whole lot, a myriad, if you will, a plethora even. So many sinners, so many tax collectors. And as they, as they continue to sit around Jesus, they're having the time of their life. They're eating dinner. They're having fun. They're laughing. And then they're reclining at the table. You ever reclined at a table like after, after a good meal and you're with friends and you kind of sit back and you make involuntarily, like involuntary noises as you, like, Ugh, right, as you sit back? Just me? Okay. I'm getting old. So it's amazing the noises that come out of me when I move now. Oh, that was good. Wasn't that good? That was good. And they start talking. And so tell me about your story, Matthew. And they're reclining at the table. This is a sign of friendship. 
that Jesus wants to be our friend as much as he wants to be our leader. We get to see as he walks through this, his, his sinners and tax collectors are all starting to recline at the table too, and they're like, yeah, there's more room, yeah, there's more room, and all the disciples are like, we are so scared, right? And they're like, okay, keep shuffling in. And more and more tax collectors and sinners go, Jesus is here? This is the same place where he just healed a paralytic man. He, he forgave his sins and he let him walk. So Jesus has all this cloud. He's pretty famous. And now here he is spending time with the tax collectors and the sinners. And what's so scandalous about this is that the religious people of the day are like, yeah, but we don't hang around those people. That's not what we do. Because God doesn't love them. Because if, he, if they really loved God, they would be doing what we're doing, and yet they're not acting or behaving like us, and so obviously they don't have the love of God for them. So why are you around those people? This association as endorsement, kind of like, why are you around these people? I don't know if you saw this last October. This happened in our culture. Um, there was a football game between the Packers and the Cowboys. And I didn't watch it because I don't like either of those teams. <laughs> but what I saw afterwards, what caused a huge stir, was Ellen DeGeneres was sitting next to former President George W. Bush. And they were sitting at a football game together. And they had the audacity to talk to each other. <laughs> and even share a laugh together. And then they both had to go public after the game to defend themselves. But they're not like you. And they're not like, yeah. Your point. They're like, well, but that's those people. Yeah, but that's those people. And just, just so you know, we all have those people that we don't like. And by the way, we are all those people to someone else. And so the Pharisees have thought and determined that because they are doing such an amazing job that they get to determine who gets to come to Jesus and who doesn't. Who gets to be loved by God and who doesn't. Now, Jesus is not endorsing their sin by having dinner with them. Jesus is not compromising the values of the kingdom by sitting with them. Nor is Jesus entering into their sin to look cool, okay? Like, I just want to show you how great I am, so I'm going to sit and... It's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was having dinner with people. And these people were the worst of the worst by society standard. God couldn't possibly love those people. And the Pharisees have had enough of this. And so they ask his disciples... Why does your teacher, the one that you're following, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Eating was a sign of friendship. It was a sign of we're having, you know, we're sharing something together. Probably out of the same dish, touching hands and all that kind of stuff as they were eating their food. Why would, why would your teacher eat with those people? It's scandalous. And while it's compelling, it is a scandalous invite. And for, for the Pharisees, this was a, was a pebble in their shoe. 
I don't like this. I don't feel comfortable about this. But ultimately, Jesus' invitation is transformational. But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. For a long time, I've wanted to do a sermon series called Awkward Conversations. Because there's a whole bunch of them in the Bible. Just really, really awkward conversations. This being one of them, right? Jesus is having a good time. He's sitting next to Matthew. Matthew's inviting his friends. They're all coming and they're talking to Jesus and asking him questions. He's at, they're just having a great time. Some people like kind of wedge their way into the house, I guess. And, uh, and then kind of loudly uh, ask the disciples, why does your teacher eat with those people? Now, Jesus it was obviously loud enough where Jesus could hear it. Which means Matthew probably heard it too. Right? Like, it's getting a bit awkward. <laughs> Why is your teacher eating with those people? And then Jesus stops the party to address the question. Which makes it very awkward for everybody. But Jesus isn't going to play games with us. And he says, he heard, what the, he heard what the Pharisees were saying, and he goes, okay, listen, you want to ask me a question? Ask me a question. Here's, here's my answer. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Which means what? It means that he's calling Matthew sick. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> right? Like all the tax collectors and all the sinners, why you meet with those people? Because they're sick, man. And they need healing. <laughs> They're all just, I don't know. Do they wave at that moment? I don't know. <laughs> but here's what I believe. I believe that Matthew already knew what he was. And I believe that everybody around that table already knew what they were. And I believe that they knew that they were sick. And they knew they had a problem. Where it all stemmed from, I don't know. But all of them knew that they were outsiders. And for a moment, someone who wasn't one of their fellow sinners took notice and wanted to have a meal with them. And it was so powerful that they all came. So in case we had any confusion, Matthew and his friends are sick, spiritually dead. And Jesus knows it. And Matthew knows it. And the Pharisees know it. And the disciples know it. Everybody knows. But well, here's what's so transformational about Jesus. He said, I know where you're at. But I want to heal you. That's a beautiful moment. 
Jesus doesn't cross his arms and go, yeah, I know. Jesus doesn't, doesn't switch sides because the cool kids showed up, right? Sorry, guys, I know that we were having fun, but then these guys showed up, so I'm just going to ditch you and go hang out with these. He didn't do that. He didn't do any of that. He knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly who they were, and he had compassion on them. And he says, I love you, and I want you to be well. And he says, go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus is quoting the Bible. In fact, he's quoting a very profound scripture. Hosea, chapter 6, verse 6. That's where this verse comes from. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Hosea, the book of Hosea is about a man named Hosea who was a prophet of God. And God spoke to Hosea and he says, Hosea, you're going to marry a woman that I choose. And her name is Gomer. Not making this up. Her name is Gomer. And she's a prostitute. And you're going to go to that prostitute and you're going to marry her. And then you're going to have children together. And then she's going to leave you to go back to sleeping with other men and making money in prostitution. And then you're going to go and buy her back. That's what, that's what Hosea's mission is. That's the whole book of Hosea. You're going to marry a prostitute. You're going to have children together. She's going to cheat on you serially and go back to her life of prostitution. And then you're going to go back and pay money for her to get her back. That's the message of Hosea. Because that's what God does for us. Like we as people, we are in our sin and God brings us into his family and then we go cheat on him and then he goes and buys us back with the purchase of his own blood. Jesus goes, you want to learn something, Pharisees? Go learn what this means. Because I didn't come here to call the righteous, I came here to call sinners because they need to get better, and I'm going to buy them back with my own blood. Profound. And he comes to call the sinners. Now, who are the sinners in this story? Everybody but Jesus. Everybody but Jesus. The Pharisees are sinners. The sinners are sinners. The tax collectors are sinners. The disciples are sinners. And Jesus says, I want mercy. I don't want you to make sacrifices to show how amazing you are for me. I want mercy. That's what I want. That's what Jesus desires. Because here's the thing. If one of these Pharisees repents, guess what the sinners and tax collectors got to do? Invite them over for dinner. Think about that. That if one of these Pharisees gives their life to Jesus, now they got to go share a meal together. And the sinners and tax collectors category have to show mercy to the Pharisee. It starts to bug us a little bit, huh? The person that you don't like, the, those people in your life, if they come to Jesus, we welcome them in as brothers and sisters. Because 
because somebody did that for us, both within the church and in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today, know this, the invitation of Jesus is, for, is water for our soul and a pebble in our shoe. And if you're here today and you're outside of God's plan, you're outside of God's family, you know that you're sick and you know that you're broke and you came here this morning because you knew you needed help and you're like, maybe the church would welcome me in, maybe Jesus would welcome me in. If I worked hard enough, he goes, you don't have to work hard enough, just come. It's not about your works, it's about Jesus' work for us. And let that be water for your soul. Let, it, let the mercy of Jesus just wash over you. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't need Jesus. I'm good on my own. Or you're here today and you're like, you know what, this story just makes me, this, you know, this whole thing about Jesus just really makes me uncomfortable right now. And it's a pebble in your shoe. Let it be a pebble in your shoe because it should bug you. And it's going to bug you until you deal with it. And how we deal with it is by coming to Jesus and going, you teach me because right now that bugs me, so you need to change what's going on in my heart and in my mind. And Jesus will. (laughs) And today you're going to hear stories about people coming to Jesus And maybe your own story, you're like, yeah, it was both very comforting and a water for my soul, and it bugged me. There was something that wouldn't let itself go until I came to Jesus. So whatever it is today, whether it be the water or the pebble, just let it bring you to Jesus. And let's all marvel together that we are all the sinners and the tax collectors, and that Jesus came to heal us. Let's pray.